Good morning, Colonial Woods. Great to see you this morning. I was trying to decide what to do. I, you know what I want to do? Because I'm used to clapping at the end of that. Can we just give the Lord an applause this morning? That was great. The worship team did phenomenal, but I just love the spirits in this place this morning. And help me, turn to a neighbor and say, you look phenomenal this morning. Do that, would you? Good. You thought I was pulling another awkward thing, right? At the beginning there, last week I got up, I just stood there in silence. Everybody looked around, thought, what? Is this going to be the trend? Well, if you think last week was awkward... <laughs> this is going to be awkward. Today we want to continue a series. We're just simply called Christmas Lights. And I want to talk a little bit about the awkward family Christmas. We've all got family. We've all got relationships. And some of them are a little bit awkward. Tammy and I have, over the last couple of years, we've gone, we've gone to the tradition of sending out a Christmas card with a photograph on it. We kind of changed uh, just a few years ago and started doing that. So every year we take, and I, they get a little boring because you're always doing them in front of a tree or something like that. That. So I was looking for ideas of family photos, and I was kind of wondering what you were thinking for our family this year. Here's the first one. I just thought this one might look good. Yeah, that's good. I don't know what that little guy just found out, but he looks shocked at whatever he just found out. Awkward. It's awkward. This one here, these folks look like this is the last thing they want to do. It's kind of like if we could get further apart, we would and still stay in the picture. This one, unfortunately, is just creepy. <laughs> Can you imagine my family as I look over them with that uh, look? It's kind of a creepy family picture. There's one. There's just so many things about that that aren't right. <laughs> unfortunately, it looks like too many, I know, but... Uh, this one here, I think it's the winner. I think it's the one we're thinking of. Yeah, just. <laughs> oh, you think that's awkward? Yeah, wait till we dig in. Get that thing off there. Anyway, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew 1. That's where we're going to start. We're actually going to be all over the Gospels today because we live in a day in which most of us know we're going to enter into some awkward situations, oftentimes at Christmas. We're, uh, it used to be that in 1960s, I think the movie was uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Sidney Poitier was a, a black man who went to a family of a young white woman, all white family, and that was a shock to the cultural system of the day. 2005, that got reversed. Bernie Mac, his daughter in the movie, invited, or well, Bernie didn't, but his daughter invited a young white man, Ashton Kutcher, to the family gathering, reversing the roles, and it's just simply called Guess Who? But now, 2005 into 2022, those awkward situations are way more awkward. What do you do when your kids would rather their stepmom come or maybe your wife wants her ex-husband to come to grandma's house because he's been a part of the family for so many years or your young lady, your daughter invites a young lady home or your son invites a young man home or your gender fluid child or grandchild invites the gender fluid friend of theirs or you getting the drift here? 
We're living in, or God forbid, they invite a Democrat home. <laughs> or God forbid, oh no, 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 I'm on equal opportunity. God forbid they're a January Sixer fan. Or God forbid they're for open borders, closed borders, pro-choice, pro-life, vaccine lover, vaccine denier. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. It is crazy. In fact, I was talking to an individual today and I said over the last three, three and a half years, the, the, the awkwardness is palpable. I had at least five individuals in my staff and friendships that said, you aren't really going to say all this, are you? And I said, of course I am. Because if the church doesn't, who else is going to? I guarantee... <laughs> you haven't heard what I'm going to say yet. Uh, I guarantee that culture addresses these things. And so how do you engage all of this stuff? Well, I got good news for you. First of all, Jesus had a really messy family. If you go into Matthew chapter 1, which we're not going to read through the genealogy of Jesus Christ, but if you look through the genealogy, I would really encourage you to actually look at it to look at the names that are represented there because by my count, there are two prostitutes, at least two prostitutes in Jesus's family tree. There's a third one that many in the society would call as bad as a prostitute and that was his own mom. Now we know she wasn't, but that's how everyone around saw her, this woman who was pregnant before marriage. His great, 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 28 great grandfather was an adulterer. His great, great 27 grandfather was a philanderer. And by the way, that's not a guy who gives a lot of money to charities. It's something else, right? Solomon. You look down through history, you've got murderers, you've got messies, you've got people who are, are far from the Lord and Christ is not afraid to have a messy family. In fact, Christ wasn't afraid of messies. I would say this, one of the themes of Matthew is that Jesus came to rescue the messies. Jesus came to engage the messies. And by the way, if you're here today, and you're saying, my family doesn't have any secrets <laughs> that you know of, that's why they're secrets. <laughs> I guarantee, I got family, I guarantee every family is dealing with awkward. And I said it to Pastor Jason today, uh, when he came into my office, I said, if there's a theme of the day, whatever the elephant in the room is at Christmas, he's 10 times bigger. So how do we engage in these things? How do we deal with the awkward family Christmas? Well, we're gonna start by looking at a value system that I believe represents Jesus Christ. And then we're gonna look at how Jesus says to engage those things with some awkward rules about family and about relationships. And I want you to know, I'm gonna do my very best. Now, I want you to know that when you look through this, there's far more the gospels could say about this, but I am so encouraged that Jesus has so much to say about how do you interact in those relationships that are, are difficult, challenging, and, and even awkward. Now, I wanna take you through a value system. So the value systems are gonna be four things. Number one, the first value system that I see in Jesus is that Jesus' love of the person is always of greater value than his personal perception. Jesus cared about people more than he cared about what people thought of him. 
Did you catch that? Because I think a lot of times, in fact, I was just being honest with myself, the thing that sometimes challenges me in dealing with awkwardness is I'm worried about what other people are gonna think about me. And Jesus never worried about that. In fact, you'll notice in Luke chapter 15, verse two, the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. By the way, you know why? Because he welcomed sinners and he ate with them. When you look down through scripture, and these are just a small sampling of the gospels. Jesus was willing to sit with a Samaritan woman, which was from a culture that Jews would have been absolutely offended by. He sat with a woman in public who had had at least five husbands. The one she was with was not her real husband. Uh, And interesting, this is a woman who had so much messy, and yet Jesus was willing to see her publicly. Um, The leper, no one would touch a leper. Jesus frequently interacted and touched and healed lepers. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a man who was a uh, a Pharisee and a religious ruler, and so he would be like a, a politician who's a pastor, and he came to Jesus at night. And I will just tell you, there's probably lots of reasons that Jesus came to Je- uh, that Judas, uh, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. But I happen to believe the reason he came at night is he didn't want anybody to see him. I think he came at night because Jesus was a polarizing figure. We don't have any of those in our culture. Jesus was a polarizing figure. Nicodemus was a man of prestige and power and authority, and he didn't want to hurt his reputation, but Jesus wasn't afraid to be seen with Nicodemus. Jesus is willing to interact with an adulterous woman. A woman caught in adultery was willing not to condemn her. Even on the cross, think about this. Jesus, when he speaks about himself, one day being on the cross, quotes um, the book of Isaiah. He does it in Luke chapter 22, and he says, uh, and it is written, he was numbered with the transgressors, and I tell you, this must be fulfilled in me. Now think about that term. Jesus was numbered among the transgressors, which means what? Jesus was willing to hang with criminals. Why? Because in the eyes of the law, he was a criminal. He was willing to have his reputation destroyed. He didn't care about what the perception of him was. He just simply loved people. And I would just encourage and challenge us. I think sometimes the reason we get so upset with awkward situations in family is that we're worried about what others will think about us. Number two, the second value system that I see in Jesus's ministry is that there is a love of truth that is far greater than cultural trends. In fact, if you just say truth over trends, say that with me, would you? Truth over trends. Now, now this is the balance to that, isn't it? This is the balance because it's interesting, Luke chapter 19, it says Jesus entered the temple area and he began driving out those who were selling and he said, it is written, my house will be the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus went into a culture where it became a cultural trend for them to use the, 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 uh, to use the courtyard of the church or the temple as a, as a marketplace. And Jesus said, I don't care what your trends are. This house is supposed to be called a house of prayer. And so he's willing to just upset everybody. Why? Because for him, truth always prevailed over trends. 
And by the way, that happened also with his interaction with the adulterous woman. He was willing to show her grace, but he also was willing to call her to go and sin no more. I think sometimes we're afraid of using that word or asking people to change the way that they're living, but that's, that's really, Jesus was willing to do that. In fact, you'll notice when Satan himself tried to tempt Jesus, Jesus just simply came back with him. Every time he just simply said, it is written, it is written, it is written. So what is he saying? God's word is gonna be my authority over whatever you're trying to tempt me with, Satan because truth is gonna prevail over trends. as a value system. There's another value system that I see that comes out of Jesus's life and it's grace and compassion was of greater value to him than perfection. Now, not his own perfection, he is perfect, but, but what, in other words, he shows grace and compassion into people's lives rather than expecting them to be perfect. Again, I'm gonna go back to the adulterous woman. John chapter eight. The Pharisees, the experts in the law, bring this woman who is caught in adultery before Jesus. They're asking Jesus to basically pronounce judgment on her. Jesus looks at her and he says, um, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Well, no one, sir, she said. Well, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. And what I find interesting in Jesus's approach is that the, the earlier you are on the spiritual journey, the more compassion and grace Jesus showed you. The individuals that Jesus was willing to confront and the individuals that Jesus was willing to challenge and the individuals that Jesus was willing to call out were those who should have known the most. He called out the experts in the law. He called out the Pharisees. He called out the rulers. Why? Because they had been in the word, they knew the word, and they had been inundated on this for years and years and years. But if you look at someone who was new to the spiritual journey, Jesus was incredibly full of compassion and incredibly full of grace. He always valued the compassion and the grace over the perfection. He wasn't looking for perfection, he was looking for the progression in grace. That's an observation. Number four, the fourth value system that I see in Jesus' life, and I'm gonna say this wrong, I'm probably gonna have the wrong word, but I'm gonna do my best. He, he valued respect at a higher level than winning. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. In John chapter 13, it's the only view of Jesus that we get on this particular illustration, and that is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. No other gospel uh, writer brings this out. I don't know that it's, it's that they didn't think it was important, but each gospel writer had an intention for why they were writing. John wanted you to see Jesus' love and how it, it, it showed itself in very real situations. So in John chapter 13, Jesus, it says, to show the extent of his love, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. He washed Judas's feet, he washed John's feet. And it says that when he came to Peter, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Now, I don't know if this is respect. I don't know if this is honor. I, I don't know what you would call it, 
But all I know is that Jesus was the strongest person in the room. He had the highest position of authority, and yet he didn't feel like he had to win in that situation. Or as I like to say, Jesus always calls the strong to stoop, the mature to give the most. And so he looked at his disciples, he looked at individuals, and he said, I want you to understand, I don't have to win. Now, if you understand those four value systems, and there might be more, I, I admit it, there's a lot in scripture, there might be others, but if you see those four value systems, they give me at least a foundation for how to engage awkward Positions. In fact, I put it in your notes. I knew I wouldn't have time for it, but I actually filled in three things. Because did you ever think maybe God placed that awkward situation, uh, uh, that situation in your life to help you grow, to help you learn how to love the unlovable? In fact, you'll notice that there are times in your life where some of the most unlovable situations, you grow tremendously through them, but we're not gonna catch that today. What we are gonna do is I wanna hit the four awkward rules for dealing Dealing with family, for situations, for hard people, difficult people. They're just simply four awkward rules for Christmas. And I happen to think it's for every day. Number one, number one awkward rule, just very simple, love them. Love them. Say that with me, would you? Love them. You don't, you don't believe it. Let's say it again. Ready? Love them. All right, now here's what Jesus says. Look what he says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Look down to verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? In other words, he says, hey, even the mafia is nice to the mafia. He says, come on. So then he says these words. He says, don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now let's describe what love is. Love does not mean that I condone everything. What love does is it spiritually intercedes and it shows respect. Respect is simply a treatment and a way that I view a person. Let me say that again. Love in this passage, when he talks about it, notice what he says to do? Pray for them. And oh, by the way, he doesn't say pray curses upon them, pray blessings upon them. Intercede for them spiritually. It's one of those things that I can do that increases my heart for the person, but he just simply says, listen, for awkward situations with difficult people, with the people in your life, I know you don't want to call them an enemy, but let's be honest, sometimes it feels that way. They might be completely opposed to your value system. He says, love them. Intercede and respect. Intercede and respect. Number two. The second challenge that he gives us is to check your own attitude at the door. 
which can probably be taken two different ways. Look at your own attitude at the door and leave your own attitude at the door because when you're dealing with these situations, Jesus brings out this famous teaching that simply says this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, by the way, we love to quote that. In fact, the world loves to quote that. Oh, judge not lest you be judged. You're not supposed to ever judge anybody. You know what? If you're gonna quote scripture, at least understand all of scripture. Because scripture also tells us that in the body of Christ, for those who call themselves brothers and sisters, it's okay for us to judge. He tells us how to do so, but he does say that there should be some judgment, but look at the heartbeat behind what Jesus is saying. He says, you've heard, he says, judge not, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged with the same measure you use. Let me put it this way. Could you stand up under the same scrutiny that you put everybody else under? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, there's so much we could do on this passage, right? Because he talks about uh, doing introspection and looking at our own heart before we even begin to address the things in other people's hearts. And I do find that a lot of times with those individuals in our life that we have the greatest struggle, we'll call them awkward, that one of the things that we would do really well is just take a look at what our side of the conflict might be. But to stick with today's teaching, there are two things that kind of jump out of this, and that is, is that I want to check what my attitude is. A great question to ask yourself in these awkward situations is simply this. Why is this such a big deal to me? I'm not asking you why, why is this such a big deal to you. What I'm saying is, is why is this such a big deal to me? Now, you may have a really good answer for that. But I found that whether it be with someone like my wife or maybe it's my kids or maybe it's someone else, that sometimes just simply standing back a little bit and saying, why, am I, why is this so important to me? Sometimes it reveals some things in us from our own uh, family of origin, maybe just some own internal conflicts we have, but it's really a great question to ask. But then the second one is, is take a look at my own life of consistency. I'm calling out something in somebody else's life. Am I living a consistent life? Because have you found that we don't tend at all to, to be, a, we tend to hold offense toward others for the things that we don't struggle with, but we never seem to hold other people accountable for the things we do struggle with. If it's something that I struggle with, I'll make all the, I'll, ma I'll come up with all the reasons in the world. But if it's something that I don't struggle with and others do, well, then I'm going to call that one out. And Jesus just says, you're a play actor on the stage. That's what a hypocrite is. Just a play actor on a stage. And people tend to be able to hear challenge when there's a life of consistency that is challenging. I know, 
It's awkward. It says, love them. Check your attitude at the door. Number three, extend as much grace as possible. By the way, I'll define why I said as possible. Notice what he says in this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is one of the more challenging passages in Scripture that over the last 30 years has been completely explained away. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you, take your tunic. Let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And he goes right into that passage again on love. He says, but you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I put down these notes in my notes. I don't know if they're in your notes, but it is really, really inconvenient when Jesus calls me to do something that I don't want to do. And I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to get smacked twice. The answer that generally we will say is Jesus isn't calling me to be a doormat. And certainly that's true. And certainly there are passages of scripture that tell us to defend and that kind of a thing. But I can't get away from the fact that Jesus tells me to act in a way that is completely countercultural. And what I've noticed a trend over the last 30 years, this is not an accusation. I'm just identifying it. Is that the body of Christ in many ways that we do conflict has decided to model culture. And he says, extend as much grace as you can. And I say it this way, I had a counselor tell me the definition that he used and I, I really liked it. I'm gonna do my best to repeat it. He said, grace and extending grace in relationship means that you overlook as much as you can without it hurting you or your relationship with that person. There are some things you just can't overlook because it's hurting you. Sometimes you can't overlook something because it's destroying the relationship. But he said, other than that, he said, Give lots and lots of grace. Billy Graham one time said that the three most important parts to a crusade are prayer, prayer, and prayer. I would tell you that probably the three most important words in an awkward relationship is grace, grace, and grace. And it is not natural. And it is not normal. But it is Jesus. 
and I hate to say this, but if I've learned anything about relationships according to our master, it's that the spiritually mature and the strongest person in the relationship will probably have to make the most sacrifice. And it isn't fair. But it is Jesus. Number four. The fourth awkward rule is show him respect. Notice what he says in this passage in John chapter 13. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And there's a lot of ways that we can show respect to someone, but um, I'm going to identify two of them. One is treatment. It's just simply, how do I treat that person? The second one is timing. And that is, when do I have these conversations? Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, if you go to the book of Acts, you'll notice that he was led by the Spirit to be near the Ethiopian eunuch, and then the Ethiopian eunuch opened the door by inviting him to have a spiritual conversation. And when the Spirit of God led, and when the Spirit of God opened the door, Philip took that opportunity and had the conversation. Maybe a public foyer isn't where to have that conversation. And maybe in a family gathering of 50 people is not where to have that conversation. And maybe sitting around a Christmas tree isn't when you dive into that. And so respecting someone is treating them in a certain way, but it is also choosing the right timing. It doesn't say ignore it. It just simply pray that the Spirit of God would give you the right opening and the right opportunity to dive into that conversation. Now, these aren't the only rules. The gospel is full of Jesus' encounter. And you see, the gospels are full of Jesus' teachings. So these may not be the only rules for awkward, but I dare challenge you, refute that these at least are four of them. Pretty hard to deny. Jesus taught this and Jesus lived this. This is hard. We started with funny pictures. If it was just awkward pictures that we were talking about. Jesus calls us to be otherworldly. Completely different than the world around us. Can I give you the last one that I want to make sure I say? Because I want to make sure nobody misunderstands me. Jesus never was willing to allow himself to be pressured into denying his own faith and conscience. 
Did you hear me say that? Jesus was willing to engage, but he was never willing to compromise his own walk with the Lord, his own conscience, and his own faith. That becomes a balance that I'm not sure we have all the right perfect answers, but I do know this. Christ always engaged. And so he calls us as believers to engage even, even in the awkward. Let's pray. Father, oh, I would guess that as I began to talk about this this morning, there were probably a few faces that popped into our minds. To be sure, Father, we, uh, we deal with some challenges, no more so than Jesus you did. And so, Lord, thank you for giving us so much of your life. Boy, if I were to make a, a wanted a good commitment for this next year, it would just be to immerse myself in the Gospels to see how, Jesus, you interacted when you took a stand, when you showed grace and mercy. But I know this, Lord, my deep desire is to be more like you. And my deep desire is for relationships, family, the workplace, church, Christmas gatherings, is to experience your grace and healing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just do that. Lead me, I pray. And help me to apply what's been shared today in the appropriate way and in the appropriate measure. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.